Hi everyone, I'm Sarah. And I'm Nicolette. And you're listening to the Her Beautiful Hustle podcast. We are two women on a mission to help and inspire other women just trying to live their best lives. Come tell us your story. Wanted you could get it, just a diamond in the rough, and you always shine bright, even when things get tough. Keep your head held high, straighten out your crown. Here to pick you up whenever you feeling down. Remember to never give up and keep pushing through. Believe in yourself, dreams do come true. Hard work, dedication, and commitment is the key. Keep showing up, being all that you could be. Just know that you're not alone. Be proud of your success. Stay focused on the prize, more peace, no stress. Gotta live your best life. Bask in all your glory. We promote women empowerment. Come tell us your story. So mental health has been a thing that Sarah and I have felt so passionately about for a super long time, pre her beautiful hustle. But then, mm-hmm. you know, as we became moms, as we are molding four young women, um, we have just it's become so evident that it is incredibly important and it's been always important to us at her beautiful hustle. So this week's guest, Mandy Himes, she is a seasoned clinician who shared with us some very, very valuable ways that we can not only take care of ourselves, but the kiddos that we're around. Mm -hmm. This, yeah, this is an episode to definitely bookmark and save, uh, to listen to as you need, need it, because that's definitely what I'm going to be doing. You know, she takes us on her journey that started in the early two thousands when she was like right in the trenches, frontline social worker, um, and shared some of her experiences that she's carried with her today until now, 20 years later. And she is the associate executive director of clinical services at St. Catherine center for children. That's based in Albany, New York. She's working with some of our most vulnerable children and to say she's, she's doing God's work. The universe's work is an understatement. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. She really shares a few stories. She's a great storyteller. Um, We're going to have in the show notes information on St. Catherine's and how you can help. Um, It's just such a great interview with her. I'm so excited for everyone to listen. I think we also like really took away like her honesty and how candid she was uh, just about her experiences as in her thirties and forties of, you know, that we're all just trying to balance out like self-image, self-care, social media, and how it all just like plays into one another. So um, I'm excited for our listeners to get to, to hear what she had to say about that too. Agreed. Agreed. Well, then let's get to it. Thank you, Mandy. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into the Her Beautiful Hustle podcast. We have Miranda Himes here tonight. I'm super excited to have her on here because not only is she an incredible clinician and she does amazing work with some of our kiddos who need it the most, but she is someone I'm so proud to call my best friend. So, Mandy, thanks for being here with us. Thank you. So much. I know this has been a long time coming. I'm finally, I'm glad we finally got the time penciled in to just make it happen. Yes. You're a busy woman. So thank you for taking this time tonight because earlier in the week, we know that you were having a really 
really, really hard day at work. It just yeah. comes with the territory. You just yeah. never know what those kiddos are going to go through. So thanks for uh, all you do with them. But we're going to get more into that in a, in a little bit. So Miranda Himes, uh, pretty much always known as Mandy oh, or yeah. one yeah. of the twins. Mm-hmm. Mandy has mm-hmm. a twin sister, Sandra. <laughs> um, so introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. Tell us where you call home. Give us those credentials that you have worked so, so hard to get. So, yeah. So um, I'm Mandy Himes. I um, born and raised in Unadilla, New York. Um, I currently live in Delanson. Been here for, oh my gosh, is that even right? Like eight years now. Wow. Um, currently, I'm the clinical director at St. Catherine Center for Children in Albany. Um, and I'm an LCSWR. I do do some private practice work um, with children and adults. Um, I'm not, I, this is new for me to like talk about myself and like, you know, all of the things that I've done, you know. Um, and so whenever I'm asked to do that, I always, it's, a, it's like a timeline for me. Yeah. So I've worked really hard to get where I'm at. Um, Yes, my credentials are important to me, but they, they definitely don't, I'm not a big like credential person. You know, it just, it just is what it is for me. It's what I need. I, what I needed to pursue where I'm at today. Um, the most valuable part of, of my learning and experience and what has brought me to the position where I'm at today is really just, you know, I think back to, I have like this timeline and I think back to, I have like these glimpses, you know, throughout my career of these different challenges that I've gone through in various settings, cities. Um, and it's like the, the, you know, the compilation of all of those things have just kind of, you know, um, brought me to the skill set that I have today. Um, before I was in graduate school, I lived in Seattle for about a year. Um, and I worked at a uh, it was an outpatient psychiatric clinic. And I remember I, Sandy and I flew there for my interview and I'm like, you know, I walk in the front door and I've got my heels on and I'm like feeling good. And I'm clunking right, you know, right down the street. And I walk into the waiting room and the waiting room is just packed full of people. And I'm like, okay, you know, it's, you know, not really what I had had in mind. It, you know, I, I thought I was going to be going to like this office building and it's going to be like just a psychiatric clinic and there's going to be doctors and, you know, mm-hmm. no. So I go up to the, I go up to the receptionist and I tell her my name and I'm here for an interview and she tells Sandy and I to sit down in the waiting room and, and you know, we're just sitting there and all of a sudden, there's a one, a woman that's, you know, sitting in one of the seats next to us just, and everybody's just like staring at us because, you know, we're, we're like all dialed up. I'm in my heels. I'm in my, you know, my, my uh, power suit. And, and this woman, you know, starts cursing at us and um, all of a sudden just starts urinating in her seat. And, you know, I'm like, Sandy's like, I'm out of here. Like, I don't know where we are. So, so that would, and I will never forget that experience. And, and so I, long story short, I ended up getting the job and it was just 
And even though I only worked there for a year, it was so foundational to, you know, pretty much everything that I, that I do now. Um, like I just can't even begin to describe the situations that I, I encountered. And so, you know, you talk about grassroots, um, you know, helping people that have struggled their whole life and some, you know, haven't really struggled, you know, it's just, you know, was more like recent addiction issues and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, but here I am, uh, you know, I think at the time I, it was, the pay was like $14 an hour and <laughs> I have my bachelor's degree, zero experience, forget in the field, but with this population at all. Um, and I'm, I'm responsible because this was my role. I was a clinical case coordinator. That was my title. And I'm responsible for managing people's lives and, and so their housing, their, their finances. I was, um, we had to be, they called them rep payees, right? So we would get like their, our agency would get their checks every month and we would be responsible for <laughs> distributing money to them. Wow. And so I can remember so many times, you, you know, you'd have these clients come in and curse you out because they wanted money to go to the liquor store and you didn't think it was in their best interest. And, you know, it's just, you know, so there, so that piece of my life is just, you know, and I think about some of my supervisors and, the, and my colleagues that I worked with during that time period. And I wish I could find them and reach out to them and just, you know, just see where they're at and share my experience and, and, and how it has just helped me to grow so much as a professional. Um, Man, how old were you when you worked there? Oh my like gosh. just for your timeline's sake. Let me think. I was 27 or yeah, 27. Maybe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right around there. Yep. Wow. wow. Yeah. It was wild. It was really, and I just have to share this story. Um, it was around Thanksgiving time and, you know, it's Seattle and all of my family was here. And I just remember feeling like so homesick, you know, I'm, I wasn't going to go home for Thanksgiving. And so I, it was the day before Thanksgiving and I was at work and, you know, um, I, we, we did deliveries like dinners for our, our homeless population. And, um, one of my clients, I just couldn't get a hold of him. And I made him this huge plate of food. I couldn't get a hold of him. He did have an apartment. He had just kind of stabilized an apartment. Um, went to his apartment with a, with a coworker, banged on the door, didn't answer. And so I'm like, that is so weird. He, you know, he, we would touch base almost every other day. So I went home with, um, one of my friends. I went, she invited me to her house for Thanksgiving. And then that Monday, when I returned to work, my boss says to me, he calls me into his office and he said, you know, Mandy, I have to tell you something about John. And I'm like, what, what happened? And he said, um, John, you know, John, just a little bit of background on John. John had a pretty substantial history with addiction and he was doing really well. Um, but he relapsed from time to time. It's just what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he said, John tried to kill himself the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And he jumped out of, he was on the seventh floor of the apartment building. And he jumped out of his window 
and landed on, there was like an awning, you know, the, towards the entrance of the building. And so he jumped out of the window and landed on the awning, which, which saved his life. Wow. And so I said, oh my God, I've got, I've got to go see him. So, so I went to the hospital to see him and I walk in and I, you know, you hear, you hear sometimes, you know, oh, it's just these stories about people being in a full body cast. And so I walk in and when I tell you, John was in a full body cast from head oh. to toe. Oh my the gosh. only thing I could see was the tips of his fingers and like just his face everything else was in a cast wow. and he's laying there on the bed and he's got these things that are like hoisting his his arms and legs up in the air and I walk in and I'm like John oh like are you okay and he's like oh hey Mandy what's up what's going on happy Thanksgiving <laughs> and just talking like you know oh man like, yeah you know I made a really bad decision and you know but <sighs> I'm gonna be okay and you know I'm gonna get through this and it was just like in that moment I knew what like true resilience was mm -hmm. um and you know he he it was a long road for him um but he just kept kept working and stayed committed and yes he you know acknowledged when he would have relapses and have these struggles and we would try to identify the circumstances around his you know poor choices um but just it, i just he's one of one of the clients from that you know time period that stands out to me because he just he was never in a bad mood never grumpy never just and here he is like chilling in the hospital bed full-blown head-to-toe body cast mm -hmm just talk, you know, chatting it up with me. Um, you know, I know just from knowing you for so long, that this is like one of a gazillion stories that you have that's like that. And yeah. the, the, all of the work that you've done to get you where you are today. Can you just tell what St. Catherine's is just for a minute, just so people have an idea of the, the population that you're, you're serving now and kind of what their struggles are and the resilience that you see there, because, um, your work in that and that population just hasn't changed. It's just changed what the, the person looks like. Now you serve children. Right. Yeah. So St. Catherine Center for Children, we're a nonprofit organization in Albany. Um, we provide services to vulnerable children um, and families and um, homeless individuals. Um, we have a residential treatment program. Um, it's a 25 bed um, facility. It's, it's located on New Scotland Ave. Um, and then we have two group home settings um, that each uh, can house eight youth. So eight youth in each house. Um, and those, the group homes are really considered a step down um, from the, the RTC, the treatment center. Um, what are the age ranges that, what, what's the youngest you can be to be at? Yep. So we, we, in those two programs, we serve um, youth ages five to 12. Yep. Um, we also have a day treatment program. So that's a school. Um, and the majority of our kids that are at our residential treatment center attend school at our day treatment program, but we also have kids from the community. So what that looks like is, um, you know, kids that have had, you know, struggles within their own school district and the districts um, will refer those kids to our care, um, you know, 
it's really around being able to safely provide them, you know, a, an academic um, setting um, where they can get their needs met. Um, Is it so just for Albany County? So, so it's, it's really anywhere. Um, we have kids from, you know, we've had kids from Kingston that have been bussed up before. Um, it's really any district. We have kids from Sar Saratoga, um, Washington, Warren counties, really all over the place. That to attend um, your school program, right? And then yep. your outreach is even further, I think, for your residential and your group home program, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. We get referrals pretty much from across the state. Um, and we also have a foster care program. Um, so we're always recruiting foster families. Um, we have uh, upstate foster care program, but we also have a program down uh, in Kingston, uh, a therapeutic foster care program. Um, we have a homeless and housing um, program that's based in Albany. Um, and then we also have um, a community-based uh, program. And, and that's really, um, that's a newer uh, program. And our service providers, um, will provide in-home services for children and families. So therapy services, skill building, respite services. Um, it's, it's pretty comprehensive, the, the array of services that we offer as an agency. Yeah, we're gonna definitely um, link St. Catherine's link because there are a gazillion ways that a listener could potentially help the agency and all of the folks there that you serve. So stay tuned for those in the show notes because, you know, yeah. It's, it's an incredible place. It does incredible stuff. And there's definitely opportunities to help out. Um, so goodness, I, I have a, so many questions about your, yeah. your job, but I know we can't spend too much time on all the nitty gritty, but what do you think that the hardest part of your current role is and the most rewarding part, your favorite part of your role right now? Oh my gosh. That is such a hard question. Um, so I'll that that my favorite part of my role right now, like that's that's really easy. Um, it's really just working with the kids. Um, so so my role, I'm the clinical director. So I so currently I oversee um, clinical services for our community based program, really all of our programs. So um, foster care, residential, and our school program. Um, and so one of the challenges that, that I've had just sort of shifting into uh, um, an elevated administrative role is really that it's, you know, it kind of takes me away from that direct contact. Um, and, that, and that's something that I, I just, you know, my supervisor now will just even say to me like, Mandy, you know, you can't, you can't like be on the floor all the time. You can't, you know, um, but it's really just working with the kids and, and, and the staff and trying to ensure that, um, you know, our kids can't feel supported if our staff don't feel supported, um, making sure that our staff feel like they have enough tools in their toolbox um, and, and just really trying to find, find that balance. Um, the, the, one of the most challenging parts I think of, of what I do right now is, um, and I'm not my, and you, you know, this about me, I'm not a controlling person. I'm not, I just, I'm not one of those people that always feels like I need to control things, but I will say in this role, that's really hard for me because, um, 
you know, I'm so passionate about the work. And so if I, if I, if I feel really strongly about something or I have an opinion about something and it's, it's, it's outside of my domain, um, I struggle with that. Um, because, because, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not because I don't trust, you know, the, my colleagues, it's really just because, um, you know, I what have is at stake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and that's it. That's exactly it. Like we are, are responsible for the most vulnerable children that you can imagine. And so, you know, I take that so, so, so seriously. And, um, you know, it's not, you know, I think sometimes it's easy to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just like, you could just, you just get so take it for granted. Yeah. You just kind of get so used to the things that you see that you're just, mm-hmm. you know, um, you're just kind of jaded, I think, or hard, mm-hmm. maybe hardened. And, and I've definitely recognized that about myself from time to time. Um, and so like some of the, so the, some of the stories and the histories that I read for some of the kids that we get in um, are, are horrific, um, you know, but I've, I've just heard it so many times and I've seen things that are, you know, you know, might be to, uh, you know, a degree worse than, than this youth coming in. And um, so it, that, that I think is really frustrating for me. That's, that's really a challenge because um I worry that not everybody approaches this work with that mindset, um, you know, so, and I don't have any control over it. So, so that's really one of the biggest challenges. I have to imagine too, that it's like fine line between you want to be emotional, but like not too emotional, like not get too emotional over it, but you don't want to be like, nothing bothers you either. It's, so it's, I got to yeah. imagine that's a hard line to find. It's, it's, it's definitely finding that balance, you know, and knowing your boundaries and knowing how to set appropriate boundaries with the kids, but also keeping in mind that the majority of these kids, especially because they're little, I mean, they're babies, um, they don't know what a healthy relationship looks like. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you know, well, yes, with the adult population, you really want to make sure that you're kind of, you know, very clear about those boundaries. Um, but with these kids, you know, a lot of them just want to feel loved um, and just don't Section. know how to communicate, yeah. you know, yeah. that, you know, they communicate through their behavior, which doesn't always look pretty. Yeah. I mean, I'm imagining too, COVID has added a whole nother level, level of uh, layer of complexity to all of this. And now more than ever, people like you who are in this field, who are helping kids navigate such hard circumstances, we still need people like you getting into this field. So what would be your advice to someone who's just starting out, who's the 25-year-old moving to Seattle, Mm -hmm. you know, walking into this uh, psychiatric clinic? Like, what Mm -hmm. would you tell that person? I would, I would tell the, and I, oh my gosh, this is so funny. Cause I just had a discussion with someone about this the other day. I would tell that person to get your hands dirty. Like you're not, you can't do good, solid, genuine, authentic work unless you have that 
grassroots experience that it's not always pleasant right and so and so um you know it's not appealing to a lot of people right so so uh, you know and one of the challenges i think that i see with um you know some of the like newer graduates kind of younger clinicians is you know they're they're eager to to graduate and then just you know go go sit in an office and and do therapy um and and that that that's possible and that could work um but unless you have that experience you're gonna have a hard time um managing your own feelings around around a lot of the things that you're gonna hear yeah it's great advice now for any parents or folks who um have a connection with a child we wanted to go over some tips that maybe you could provide like in the moment, some real strategies, um, tips on what adults can do to help kids whose emotions have just, you know, gone over, they're, they're exploding and there's anger here, there's destruction maybe, there's, you know, what can right. parents or adults do, yeah, in the moment to, to, to help someone who is experiencing that emotional outburst? So the, the very first thing I'm going to say is you have to check yourself. You have to check yourself. <laughs> um, if you are not able to regulate yourself, you cannot help that child, period, end of story. doesn't matter what else comes out of my mouth in these next few minutes. If you can't do that, you're not the person for the job. And you have to, you have to know that. That is the most important thing. You're going to escalate the situation. Um, you're going to continue to, to, you know, um, increase the child's anxiety. Um, you're going to project your own stuff unintentionally onto the child. Um, so first just check yourself, take a minute, take a breath. It, you know, if they're screaming and yelling at you and cursing and calling you names, you, you have to just be able to disconnect from those words because in that moment it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what they're calling you or what they're saying none of that matters um so check yourself remember that there are this is the simplest way i can explain this there are three basic processing regions to our brains the thinking the emotional and their and the survival okay and so when kids are emotionally dysregulated um they are not able. It's not that they're they. It's not that they're choosing to scream and yell and and go crazy. They are not able to access the thinking part of their brain. They just can't do it. It's a skill, right? And so even some adults still struggle with that skill. Okay, like we hear all the time about anger management, right? Um, and you know, even and I'm I'm guilty of it too. Even sometimes now when I get like you know, just that ferocious anger, it's in there. And I know, and I, I have this section that's telling me just chill, but it's still a skill to be able to do that. So we just have to remember that these are kids and they're, this is just, it's, this is an opportunity to be able to practice that. Okay. So, so they're in survival. They can't access the thinking part of their brain. Okay. Less stimulation don't talk if there's a loud tv on if there's music playing 
control at all. Just manage what you can because you can't manage what's happening right now internally for that child. Manage what you can around the child, okay? So you want to reduce stimulation, turn down music, don't yell, don't go in back and forth. Um, those are really the most important in the moment things that you can do to just help to reduce that um just that intensity um so man i think um so we the anger one is good but let's talk about sadness because i know like lots of kids are sad right now and even you know sadness may come out as anger but like let's take a kid who's just like hysterically crying what what do you do it's the same response it's 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 really just let them do their thing it's the same response um you know, you might approach that, you might approach that a little bit differently. Um, but it's, especially in the, it, like you mentioned, in, in times like this for kids, um, the, the, the level of anxiety that I have seen, um, both, both, you know, at my job, and then also in my private practice with kids is just unbelievable. It, it's so sad. Um, and so we have to remember that that can look different um it can look like you know it can look sad it can look like anger it, it can look different for each child and what they're experiencing um you know and and you just want to be mindful that even with that that example that you gave if you know you have a child that's sobbing and just they're it's the same process right so they're emotionally dysregulated um you, you might want to offer um, just, you know, a, 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 like a, a back rub or just like a gentle, um, you know, a comforting touch on the arm to just let them know that you're there. But again, you're going to want to really be careful. Um, you're going to want to really be mindful, I should say, around minimizing stimulation. Um, you know, especially as parents, it's so hard. It's, it's so hard to see our kids struggle in any way, whether they're explosively angry um, or sobbing hysterically. We, as mothers, um, wanna just make it stop. Um, whatever we can do to just make it stop. Um, and I appreciate that, but I wanna, I, I, I'd like to just encourage everybody to just keep in mind that those are really opportunities to practice and teach. Those are opportunities for us to teach skills so that, so that, um, cause you're not always gonna be there. You're not always gonna be there when kids have struggles. So mm -hmm. if we're using those opportunities to be the example, um, help to teach the child, you know, those very, very basic skills. Um, one of, I think probably one of the, the, um, biggest mistakes, again, it's not intentional, um, that I see parents make is, is talk too, you know, just, just talking too much. And that, and that really comes from a place of just, like I said, just wanting it to stop, That's wanting it. the child I'm to just, feel yeah. com comforted. <laughs> um, um, but just, just remember that it's okay for kids to, sometimes they have to go through it. It doesn't look pretty, but it, it's, it's really remarkable if you give kids the time and the space um, while they feel safe and supported to kind of go through that emotional cycle, it's like a beautiful thing when you come out on the other side and you can watch that full circle. You can watch the full-blown escalation 
and then you watch them just kind of slowly get back to their baseline. And then you can have a talk, a conversation about, about what happened. Don't try to have a conversation with them in the moment when they're either escalated or they're sad. What do you think about distraction? Like, especially for like really little kids, like four and under, let's say. I, I, I think is that's that a good tactic or is that? Oh yeah. Is, oh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's st- that, that's a, that's, I mean, so the difference I think with that age group um, is there, they don't necessarily have um, the ability to, to communicate um, as, as well as the older kids. Mm -hmm. Um, So you might see that emotional dysregulation more frequently and maybe for reasons that are just, you know, silly. Um, and, and it's okay. I, I, I absolutely in that moment would utilize distraction as a technique and then maybe revisit it. Mm-hmm. Um, you always want to make sure that you're having a, a follow-up conversation and, and just kind of, you know, walking them through the process, um, helping them to come up with ideas of what they might be able to do differently next time. Okay. Man, what would you say to parents or adults who are working with kids, um, when they don't tell the truth? Cause I know that that might be still some of them practicing certain emotions and practicing certain scenarios and how to navigate it. But what do you, I mean, that, that triggers me when my kids don't tell the truth. And I'm just wondering, like, what are your thoughts on how people should handle that? So, so again, I'm just going to go back to, ju- you, you got to check yourself. Like, why is this, ups- why is this making me like, honestly, the exact same thing just happened tonight with Derek, my son. Um, he didn't, he didn't tell me the truth about something. And I, I was like annoyed, like, don't, don't lie to me. And again, it wasn't what he was not being truthful about. Wasn't a matter of safety. It was, it was just something so minor. Um, you, that you definitely address it. Um, but you, again, you have to be careful around your motivation. You know, is it around, you know, I, I am an authority figure and you disobeyed me. Um, or, are you addressing it? Because again, you want to try to teach a different way. You want to, you want to try to build a skill. For me, it's fear when my daughter lies to me, because I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want something bad happening to her. And then she doesn't right. tell me the truth because, uh, you know, yeah, they get, I don't want something lying. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so, no, that's, so that's really, really good, good tips. <laughs> so that's a really good point too. Um, and, and we want to be careful that, you know, we're not unintentionally reinforcing behavior. So, you know what I mean? So, you know, if you yell at her or him for not being honest about something, um, is she going to feel like she can't talk to you or she, do you know what I mean? So totally. You just want to be mindful that we're not reinforcing it. Good to know. Awesome tips. Now, yes. you, I mean, again, just knowing all of the roles that you've had and just some of the glimpses that you've given us today, like your self-care, your support system, what does that look like for you? How do you take care of yourself? Who's, who are your biggest supporters? Oh my gosh. So when, when <laughs> this is such a hard question for me. Um, I used to, when I was younger, 
I don't, I mean, and I don't even know if this is like, would be considered healthy or not. But when I was younger, I used to rely heavily on just external supports, right? So who's validating me? Who's making, you know, I'm doing this. And does anyone think that it's great? You know, and, and I, I got caught in a cycle of just like, like looking for my self-worth from, from external sources. And it really was when I lived in Seattle, I, you know, yes, I made friends there, but I was there by myself and I struggled a lot. You know, I had a lot of personal struggles, um, but it was really through those hardships that I learned um, that I have to be, I have to be my biggest support. Um, and I cannot look for validation from other people because you'll get it. You'll get a level of support. Um, but you also, you also just run the risk of, um, being disappointed. Um, you know, maybe always feeling like it's not enough. Um, so for me, I don't, this is why I think it's hard for me to talk about myself because I just don't do it. I don't, I'm not really on social media. I don't, do you know what I mean? I don't post yeah. pictures about like, I just don't do that because I try to be very mindful that it's internally driven. Um, and so, yeah, so I, my biggest support is really myself. And I, and that is something I've learned throughout the years. Um, it's been something that I've really, really admired you for. Yeah. I mean, I think that it takes so much awareness to build what you've built for yourself that it's just really admirable. <laughs> Thank you. Well, and you know what? It's just, I appreciate you saying that because it's, it's not something that just happened. It didn't happen right. overnight. It's, it really has evolved and it's, and it's, and it's been like a conscious effort. You know what I mean? It's, it's taken a lot of work and, um, you know, a lot of just, I always just say this, like it just checking myself, you know, like, um, in those moments, just, just having to have those conversations with myself and just be really honest with myself. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, you know, so for me, that's, that's, um, that's really what drives me. Um, that's why someone should hire you if they would like a therapist. <laughs> You have, you might know what you're doing. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Um, so, okay. So self-care, um, self-care. So I try, I've really tried hard to remain committed to just fitness. Right. And, and not to a point where I'm obsessive about it. Cause I'm not at all. Um, you know, but, but for me, that is, um, something that's important to me. It's important to maintain, you know, um, my health and it's important, you know, to just maintain a certain level of fitness. I've, I've been an athlete my whole life. Um, I like to be active with my kids. Um, I don't, you know, I, I, it's just something I want to, I see myself always just, just kind of continuing on that path of just maintaining a certain level of fitness. Um, you know, I try to make sure that I have time with my friends, um, make sure that I have time by myself. I love my my children. They're my babies. They're my life. They're my world. Um, but in terms of my self-care, it's not with my kids. <laughs> um, 
And that's some, and that's really important to me. And I think sometimes, you know, we have mom guilt around that, you know, um, just, you know, if I take the time for myself and I, I don't really want to be with them, that it's, that's okay. It's okay to say that. Um, it doesn't, you know, and I, and I think the, one of the reasons that, um, you know, sometimes it's easy to get caught up in that mindset. It is because of exactly what I talked about earlier, just those, you know, seeking validation from those external sources. Like, you know, if someone says something to me because I'm not with my kids on a Sunday or, you know, um, yeah. so just really, really having the ability. Who's watching your kids? <laughs> right. Can you believe that? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So what does a typical day look like for you? And then what tips do you have for the listeners on balancing, you know, work, personal life, mom life, mm-hmm. wife life, everything? So, oh my gosh. Okay. Typical day is really tough. Um, <laughs> but so my kids get on the bus at 7am and I remember when we got the card home that the bus was coming at seven, I was like, what that, like, really? how am I going to do that? Um, but I, it's actually, um, the most amazing thing. So, you know, <laughs> set the alarm six fifteen. sometimes I'll hit snooze for them. And there's just really no time for messing around. So last year when the bus would come later, much later after eight o'clock, it was, I couldn't get them up and around. Um, so now there's just no time for, for anything. It's just up, you know, brush your teeth, get dressed, um, maybe have something to eat. If not, it's okay. Cause you have breakfast at school, um, get them on the bus and then off I go to work. Um, you know, work is different really every day. Um, you know, I think the other day when one of you, one of you guys, both of you text me, I was like, yeah, um, I'll have to get back to you when I, I'm running down Western Ave chasing a kid after getting kicked yeah, in the shin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say earlier when you were saying you wanted more direct contact, you had, you had direct contact on oh, Monday oh, yeah. right to your yeah. shin. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, I mean, you know, that's, that it's, it, it, it really is kind of a typical day. Um, and it's okay. Um, and so, you know, it's just, it's just that it's just, you know, helping kids and staff, even this, you know, my clinicians that I supervise, um, just kind of, you know, maintain a certain, um, a, a, a certain baseline where they are able to function. Um, and, and, um, yeah, just kind of work through all of the different challenges that we're faced with on a daily basis, because it's different every single day. Um, so yeah, so work home Mondays, it's gymnastics, Tuesdays, it's ninja. Um, (laughs) yeah, what, you know, Friday, when I get home, it's like go time, like the weekend is here and I can just decompress. Um, Sarah, the other thing you asked tips for maintaining or managing or balancing that. it. Yep. Yep. So, so that's, um, evolved. I think for me, um, <laughs> you know, when my, when both the kids were little, like in daycare, this is, you know, before COVID times, they were sick all the time. 
all the time. I remember just being at work and getting calls all the time. You have to come pick Autumn up. You have to come pick Derek up. They have a fever. They can't come back for 24 hours. And so if that just got to be what life was, right? And so, um, you know, luckily I had a really wonderful supervisor that would just, you know, she understood that and she had kids of her own. And so that, you know, balancing, um, balancing, home, kids, and working full-time out of the house was really challenging. You know, coming home, figuring out what's for dinner, everybody's tired. Um, you know, and I, I think, and I, I 100% haven't mastered it at all. Um, I still get really frustrated about things. I'm still exhausted. Um, but I think Balancing all of that really does require um, that piece around self-care um, and 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 being mindful of what your own limits are and um, taking even if it's just thirty minutes um, to yourself every single day and not feeling guilty about it um, is going to help you be more present for your kids and your families and be able to just. Um, function at, you know, your hundred percent capacity. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Agreed. Now, Min, you've mentioned a bunch of things that may be an answer to this, but I just want to, in case there's any gems that you, you haven't mentioned at this stage of your life right now, what are some things that maybe 10 years ago you worried about, but now you're like, you don't give it a second of your energy because you just know, like, it's not worth it. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't think you ever really were big into social media, but I love that you've made the points of kind of what you've recognized that what that wasn't and was for you. And it just, it's not something that serves you. So, yeah. So I think, but to answer your question, I think, you know, there was a time period in my life where, you know, I was really into social media and, you know, I can remember just just always being, you know, I always worried about what people thought of me, you know, like, um, is, is this one going to get mad at me if I don't do this? Or, you know, if I choose to do something else, I don't want, I, I just remember always feeling like I didn't want people to get mad at me. I didn't want to upset people. Um, and now I still don't want to do that. That's never like a, a goal. Um, but self-preservation is just so much more important to me now than it used to be. Um, learning how to set boundaries for myself now is something I didn't, was a foreign concept to me 10 years ago. Um, and it's just so vitally important. And, um, you know, it's, I, I think just in general, it's hard because we, you know, it's, it's really hard to do that once you reach a certain point in your life, um, because you've already established these relationships that maybe don't have the healthiest boundaries. So when you try to set them, um, it can create a lot of conflict in your relationships and, you know, that doesn't feel good, you know? Um, and so, you know, I think it's, 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 you know, finding the balance in that process. Um, but for me now, it's one of the things that I really try hard to be mindful about. Um, you know, that 10 years ago, I, again, just wasn't, 
on my mind at all. Yeah. But Thank God I'm, for getting older, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, but I feel like this leads perfectly into this question. How do you feel about the extinction of skinny jeans and the side part? Okay. The skinny jeans <laughs> thing, I have mixed feelings about it. And here's why. Because <laughs> I wasn't into, I remember when skinny jeans was first a thing and I was like, never will I wear those on my thighs ever. Um, but once I tried them <laughs> and then it was really for me because I'm short. So it was a really more about like finding the right length that was flattering. I was like, oh, okay. I, I'm on board with this. Um, but now I, so, okay. So I'm not, I'm not down with totally getting rid of skinny jeans. I'm, I'm not. Okay. I really that's where you are on the, that's really where I'm at. Okay. Um, the side part, I, I'm, I am more, um, gosh, that is so hard to answer. I think it's really just around, you know, your occasion. Yeah. And so the I'd day like to say though, you've always experimented with your hair. So yeah, I feel like you're not, oh, you've never been committed to one part versus another. So you, you're always kind of doing your own. own yeah. Thing, your hair always so. looks different. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm okay with, I'm okay with switching up the part for sure. <laughs> You've been doing it forever. Right. I've stuck with that side part for forever too. Yeah. Oh man. All right. So I'm thinking about going back. So <laughs> let's, let's get into some fun stuff. Let's do the rapid yeah. fire round. All right. So Manny, Beyonce or Lady Gaga? Lady Gaga. Nikki or Brooke? <laughs> Don't answer. <laughs> Just kidding. I wanted to slip that one in there real fast. <laughs> um, so are you here for the Machine Gun Kelly, Travis Barker, Pete Davidson trend, or could could care less? I mean, are you asking which one out of the, out of the three I would choose, or am I down with the trend in general? Down with the trend in general. And if you are down with the trend in, trend in general, is there one that you would choose? It's, 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 I'm not down with it. Okay. It's, it's not for me. Yeah. Uh, which sex? I'm into it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would be. Uh, which sex in the city character would you describe yourself as? I've thought about this. I really have had, I've put a lot of thought about uh, a lot of thought into this. I, so I'm definitely not even close to Carrie or, or, um, or Charlotte. I um, I would say I'm probably a balance between Miranda and Samantha. Cool. Yep, I'm a, I'm a, I'm across. There's something so sneaking cool about your your cool as a cucumber though, and I always think Carrie's a bit as a cool as a cucumber. So yeah. I feel like that that's a little bit you though. Carrie, that's just my opinion. Yeah, I think she's like a little too high strung for me. Yeah, yeah, no. she is. You're, you're, you're not that at all. So yeah, <laughs> when she, when she's calm, I'm saying yeah. that yeah. that's more like you. The chill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What outfit do you feel the most confident in? Like a go-to outfit. Mm -hmm. um, so, so this really never used to be the case, but I have this pair of, um, they're Gap and they're black 
like really stretchy jeans and they're so ungodly tight. Um, and so, and I never, ever would have been confident in that. Like talk about the 10 year thing. Like I just, you know, having like a, a booty and, you know, showing off like, you know, thicker thighs was, I was never like, I, you know, proud of that. Um, but now I think, yeah, it would be my black jeans and just, I have just like a, um, it's a really just traditional black pump and then some sort of a fun top that that's really what I would feel the most confident in. Love it. Yeah. If you could, uh, go out for a drink with anyone dead or alive could be fictional. Who would you choose? Mm. <laughs> so I, I don't know why this person just comes right to my head. Do you remember Friday night lights? Mm-hmm. Yep. Remember Tim Riggins? Yep. So Taylor I mean, Kitsch is If you're in our yep. box, can you forever <laughs> forget Tim Riggins? Yeah. So he no. just, as soon as you asked that question, that's the face I saw. So that's my answer. I love that answer. I do too. So if it wasn't Delanson that you lived in, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Oh my gosh, you guys, you're really making me think. Anywhere in the world? In the world. Let's do this. Ocean or the mountains? Uh, ocean? Rapid fire, man. Rapid. Ocean? God, I, I really struggle with making decisions <laughs> on, like, like this on the spot. Okay, ocean. If I had to choose ocean. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, those were... oh, you know what we didn't ask though, but I'm going to ask you this. Um, what, what is your favorite song or do you have a current favorite song that we can add to our Spotify playlist? Or you can say name more than one. Favorite song or, okay. It, it doesn't have to be current, right? No. Yeah. Whatever you want, whatever song you want to list. I don't have a favorite song. I mean, honky tonk woman is just my jam always. Mm -hmm. Um, what song, hold on. I'm going to look it up because I was just jamming in my car the other day and I forgot about this song. Say Ah by Trey Songs. Oh, oh. it's oh, Yeah. I do think that right? someone may have gotten down to that. Yeah. It's all yeah. yeah. Last question, man. Okay. Who do we need to have on the podcast? Don't say either of your sisters because they're on our hit list. If you could tell us you have got to have her on here, who would it be? Angela Pastizo. All right. And she and is the principal at the school she, at St. Well, Catherine's, right? Her last day is actually <gasps> Friday. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yep. She took a new position um, with, a, with a, a different school district as the director of pupil, pupil personnel. Yep. So wow. she's, she's, you know, but she is just a, just a wonderful human being. So you would cool. have so much fun asking her these questions. Great recommendation. Does that mean that St. Catherine's needs a principal? Yes. <laughs> wow. So if any listeners are listening, you've got your credentials. Reach out to Mandy. Reach out. This Thanks so great. much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys. This was actually really fun. It was, I was like, how, I don't know how I'm going to sit here and talk about myself, but well, you did you great. Made it fun and easy. 
And I appreciate you taking the time to, you know, just allow me the opportunity to share some of my stories. And, you know, if anyone has any follow-up questions, send them my way. You've got an incredible hustle, girl. Yeah. Thank you you so much. Thank you. Love Love you. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to the Her Beautiful Hustle podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Her Beautiful Hustle. You can follow Nicolette at The Good LC and Sarah at Sass Tips. If you like this episode, please do us a favor and leave us a review. We would so appreciate it. If you would like to be a guest or know someone who would be a great guest on our show, email herbeautifulhustle at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram. Come tell us your story. This is so we're we're going to do an intro for you okay. um, outside of this meeting here. So yep. pretty much in a in a couple of minutes, we're just gonna um, dig right into the questions that I sent you. Sounds good. Um, but before we get into that, I need to know what you guys do with your nose hairs because the other day I oh, trimmed I mine. I really got in there with this tool that like spins around girls, I have the worst infection in this nose now because of whatever I did in there. What is it? What do you guys do with your nose hair? I just do. I just have little scissors and I just, I do one side and the other, and then this side and this side. I haven't had to do anything. Thankfully. You're so lucky. I mean, I'm like, what did, when did it start? Oh, no, I'm feeling around. No, I'm feeling around. No. Mine see them. I mean, I feel like I could braid them sometimes. (laughs) But anyhow, let's get on to man's interview.